Das ist der Radi Jerewan. Da ist der Radi Jerewan. Heute macht sich der Radi Jerewan auf die Reise. Today we will have some travel, real travels, audio travels, travel ideas. Three of us with a friend who will take us with him to sort of unknown destination. I mean, we don't know. Lange, weißt du, wo wir heute hinfahren? Hinfahren? Ja, wo, 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 wo fahren wir heute hin? Hast du da was gehört? Hat der Jürgen dir irgendwas erzählt? Jürgen? Ja, der, der Jürgen Rendl, mit dem wir jetzt da mitfahren. Na, na. Achso, der heißt Jürgen. Aha. Ja, das war doch der, der Jürgen Rendl, hat doch gesagt, er nimmt uns heute mit auf, die, auf eine weite Fahrt. Mit dem, mit dem Autostopp. Das hast doch du auch mal gemacht, oder? Ja, du hast doch mir erzählt, du bist auch mit dem Autostopp, also praktisch, ich sag mal heute so schön Hitchhiking. Es war sowieso gut, wenn es da mal ein bisschen mehr wieder auf Englisch, weil sonst verstehen ja die anderen es auch nicht. Was meinst du jetzt mit den anderen? Achso, ja. Ja, guck, ja, dann machen wir das halt so. Do, do you know Jürgen Rendel? Wen? But we, we were talking about we should do it in English, right? Okay, so. We are waiting for Jürgen Rendel and he will take us today with Radi Yerwan to travel to some unknown destination. Destination. Da ist er schon. Grüß Gott. Ahoi, wie man sagt. Ahoi! Ah, ja, okay, ahoi, ahoi, ja, it's right, ahoi. But for me it's always a bit, uh, it does this kind of jump from the heart of Europe towards the seaside of Europe. Yeah, there must be something in between. Yeah, 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 but like this kind of ahoi is always like, it reminds me at my grand-grandfather who was really a seafarer. Mm -hmm. And um, it's for me completely connected to north or west or south, wherever, where sea is. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, sea is sea weg. Exactly. Yeah. The sea is verschwunden. The sea is. Ciao, my voice, the sea. Yeah. Wo ist sie schon wieder? Wo ist es hin? But this kind of jokes in English is a bit different, uh, difficult, but anyway. So, you will take us today where? Yeah, let's say it will be some kind of this in-between, the very center of Europe. So it's such a more or less modern Hamlet version. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, see. Yeah. Hamlet at the roadside or something like that. Um, to some places of which which are on the way and which are maybe less traveled 
bit more transited, <laughs> I would say, yeah. In, in, in transition or...? They might be also in transition, yeah. Yeah. which is, I guess, very characteristic. But as I heard, I mean, like you, you, you have sort of... Uh, I mean, on the, on the one hand, it's not really very special, no? Like, it's uh, obvious kind of... Uh, transport means what you are using, it's not... Nothing like you don't go by uh, space shuttle or whatever. So exactly. like you, you I use don't use drones. Something like that. So like yeah. it's uh, on the one hand very. It's conventional, basically. Yeah. yeah. But it on is. the other hand, also special. It's maybe also special because uh, I don't know <laughs> whom I will join in this means of transport. So it's so always you, you surprising. So this means uh, to don't do such a uh, riddle out of it. it it's a, you go or you do your travels mainly by hitchhiking. Yeah. But how long you do that? It's already. It's ten years. I think it's. I really started to commit to it um, when I started to more or less settle here in Bratislava. I see. I wouldn't call it settle. It just kind of. Creating a bit of a, an ambivalence with <laughs> the very, very idea that I'm always escaping from Bratislava. So ever since I kind of arrived in Bratislava, but then went further on. Every now and then, I started to hitchhike. Yeah. This was like you saw it somewhere, or you did it already before, or how how this idea come um, that's a good question. Actually, of course, sometimes you, you stumble upon the, 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 the myth of a hitchhiker in whatever movies or books. But then, like, practically, I didn't know anyone, like, personally, who hitchhiked. I just once I met somebody, and there was this idea that. It, one of my brothers, like long ago, my brother, are far older than, than me. And long ago, he arrived by hitchhiking at the, at the house of my parents. And my parents were shocked. <laughs> I thought this is, this is a quite nice surprise effect. So I might apply it for myself as well. So this means you, you, you start your hitchhiking period uh, um, in Bratislava and uh, you wanted to have also some side effects. Mm. But this, but there are also other side effects, no? Like it was like, uh, did you just use hitchhiking for going from A to B or? Yeah, as for a start, it, it was mainly going from A to B. It was also the very well. The, the, the very motivation was to, to get from Bratislava occasionally to the place where I'm from, basically. And considering the fact that um, back then I had to go 
there and back again like several times a year, like once every month or even more I thought using trains would also kind of um, burst my financial limits, <laughs> earning my slower standards. So I thought like yeah, this might be a nice a nice way on the one hand like to to not spend too much money for the very active traveling or transit and on the other hand like to maybe experience something on the way. So yeah, it was just kind of two main motivations maybe at the beginning. And then of course like by this um, I discovered a lot of other aspects and it's like as I said, like first it was only between Bratislava and a village close to Salzburg where I'm from. And then of course I started to discover what's east of this place. Yeah, which then really captured me. And of course I discovered this is a completely different way of, of traveling and, and encounters and um, and of course you encounter also other Hitchhikers. Maybe the, the more Eastern you, you get, the, the more likely it is that you will also just bump into other Hitchhikers. Which are sometimes uh, purely pragmatically motivated. They just don't have a car. But they need to bring a basket of vegetables to the market in the next city. Yeah, so I departed from a pretty much a luxury situation and, and then I encountered many many facets of hitchhiking which might be interesting to, to follow or just to include in, in our reflections about this, this practice. Yeah. So yeah, and, and on the other hand, uh, also found Bratislava, maybe I never really arrived here in a way, like I always said, like, yeah, there's other places which are far more tempting to visit, far more exciting, there's far more things happening and things like that. So that was an easy way to kind of more or less spontaneously go elsewhere and end up elsewhere also sometimes you end up at places you, you just didn't actually plan to, to visit. So here you are, deal with it. <laughs> but today we go also east, yeah. do we? Uh, like slightly southeast. Alright. Yeah. Yeah, and we actually start in in Kitze, in this Austrian village, which is actually a neighboring village of Bratislava. Because it, the very day I left, I, I wanted to de deliver my kind of election card for the presidential e elections. And I wanted to make sure that it will arrive within time. So departed from Bratislava first to Kitze. I took a train to Bekerit <laughs> and then walked from Kitze via those like 
seems like really like old pathways across the fields and there's a lot of trees around it seems like the, the trees are very old like this, this might be already from back then when this was still like one one connected area 100 years ago and then I uh, just approached the, the first service station on the motorway leading from from Bratislava south and also to Vienna that's where, where the very hitchhiking journey started And from this from this spot, it is easy to jump. It was get off. It was the first time I, I used this spot because uh, the tricky thing with this gas station is that there's like some streams of, of traffic uh, still connected. So there's still a stream of traffic coming from anywhere, uh, Bratislava and east to Vienna, and so this is bit tricky of course because then you end up uh, finding many people that actually don't head your direction yeah. so usually I use a spot which is right at the border which is still like the border between Slovakia and Hungary which is also the border between the city of Bratislava and the Hungarian village of, of Rajka and there is already um, a bigger variety of uh, mainly trucks but also just cars heading anywhere ranging from Serbia via Bulgaria to Romania and of course anywhere in Hungary and there's a lot of Polish trucks for example Polish trucks are everywhere it seems and same with Romanian trucks yeah. this um reminds me on this saying that uh, Marold had often that uh, I mean it's an old saying no? that you say somewhere has to be a nest oh, doesn't matter like but the first thing like the first means what where we jump in now um, yeah what like you mean like how, how to how how you How do I approach these people? Or yeah, 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 sure. Like, yeah, yeah. like you, we have to ask, or we have to ask, yeah. Or, you, or we should write some. I usually write this like, little piece of cardboard, mm -hmm. and I, I write the name of a of a city on it, which is usually kind of either my final destination, but in most cases, it's kind of a place on the way, which I find likely that many people would just go from the place where I start to, to the place. So, yeah, so I kind of either stand at the roadside with this little piece of cardboard and, yeah, depending on, on my mood and sometimes I, uh, I do smile towards the drivers, <laughs> which um, is that helpful? It's hard to tell. Um, but I, I met other hitchhikers who are having their very own tactics and just uh, jump around and, and write strange things on, on these cardboard pieces and like, I don't know. Yeah, so there's a lot of different... Um, 
So like if we do right now, for example, I don't know, Leningrad on a cardboard, do you think we will get a reaction on that? Might be, even. Yeah. Or so like this nowadays, of course, existing city, but not with his name anymore. So yeah. like something like that. Mm, uh, might be even even here, yeah. Like mm. in Ukraine for sure. Like. But they won't take me then. Probably not. No. I see. Yeah, so, so it's it's it could be the start of a game, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and then um, the other option, like the one I described before, is that I just approach people then at this gas station, which is the active approach then. And then you just so chat, chat. To ask them directly. Yeah, exactly. Chat up people and ask them directly if they aren't going your, your way and if they have spare seat and wouldn't mind to share yeah yeah and then it's of course like, um, peop people feel at least that they have a first contact with you maybe that's, that's also what makes people decide to take you who otherwise wouldn't stop when you're standing at the roadside yeah. so that might also be interesting that you, you don't meet these people who are very familiar with the the practice of hitchhiking but they feel due to some reasons the need to, to take you yeah which is funny sometimes sometimes they're religious very religious sometimes they're they're into something else that urges them to, to take you <laughs> yeah sometimes they're just nice people of course and obviously you can't say if you stand with a cardboard they would take you without cardboard if you was just asking them we are just asking them but or the other way around so yeah don't know. It's, like it's, it's just guessing out of your experience exactly sometimes seemed tempting to me that i would just ask them where they're going and just uh, could i join you yeah this could open up a, a very very different uh, approach towards hitchhiking yeah. this is the thing like uh, in the end, I always planned my journeys quite accurately, even according to the time frame, which seems a bit insane considering the, the many factors of uncertainty within this hitchhiking frame. But um, anyway, of course, the plans are, are there to, to, to fail. So then something else shows up and opens up. And, and that's the point when it, it becomes interesting, of course. Yeah. So, but what we have now at our cardboard? We have at our cardboard Seged, which is this southern Hungarian city, which is supposed to become our gateway towards Romania. So this is better than if we would ride Budapest or something uh, like that? Yeah, because Budapest, the thing is that Budapest lies off the main highway so of course I could ride Budapest and then ask the driver to, to kick me out at some service station before Budapest so yeah but the thing is also that at this very spot which I described before not the one we approached today but the one right at the border it is uh, there are many cars and trucks who are who are really going through Hungary elsewhere. So Seged is, is is on the way 
for almost all of them. Yeah. Hung Hungary is a, is a country of, of transit. Our first driver is a, a Slovak truck driver who actually usually is on the way from Spain to Slovakia via other countries and back again and bringing colorless tomatoes and peppers from the beautiful greenhouses of Almeria region to happy consumers east of where I was born and even west of it <laughs> in, in this very case yeah so he was just on, on his way from from Spain to Budapest actually so and he, he took me to a gas station before Budapest so we, we had this very constellation and, and he, he turned out to be a very um, gentle guy with a big heart for hitchhikers as it seems as he, as he talks about like one Czech hitchhiker I think it was he, he joined him for three days and in the end he was a bit disappointed by the hitchhiker because like the, he was he was kind of yeah over demanding in the sense of hospitality so the Czech hitchhiker was supposedly convinced to, to not need any money but on the other hand he needed to eat something and <laughs> so the, our nice truck driver had to cater him and share food with him during three days until he vanished in a shower supposedly and he didn't return from a shower for a truck park in Moravia and yeah so we ended up I think in Bitschke somewhere before Budapest and there is it's, it's, it's a sl another Slovak we meet there, um, a Slovak who is employed um, by the evangelical church here and he was just on his way to the Hungarian city of, of Bekeschaba where they are just about to organize kind of a gathering of, of Lutheranian addicts or people of Lutheranian Christians who are somewhere in this region which used to be this Vojvodina, Banat and this very multicultural region. So and there's also a Slovak population in Begeschaba and they were preparing the ground for this gathering. Yeah, and it was very nice because he told me stories about his, his daughter who who studied uh, Russian language and, and, and culture and, and is very fond of, of these former Soviet countries and extensively, supposedly extensively traveling in these countries and that he also mentioned that he himself had this, this dream and still has the dream but he was already like 55 and he still would like to, to take the Trans-Siberian Railway yeah, but instead we, we went to 
to another service station close to Kechkemit, south of Budapest. Trucks are limited to two persons. Um, but I had experiences when, when I was hitchhiking with someone else. Uh, that's in countries like Serbia, for example, or Macedonia. It seems people, truck drivers, don't care much, and on the other hand, probably police doesn't find them for um, having more passengers than they would be allowed to. So it even happened that we were three people in the truck. So there is a probably also like the more eastern, southeastern you get, the more flexible <laughs> becomes this zone of, of negotiation. And apart from trucks, it's, it's yeah, it differs very much. Like sometimes you you know it, it was like this kind of minibus packed with, with with people or with workers sometimes who would then yeah see oh okay our home city on this piece of cardboard we have to take him and then they found another foreigner. But in most cases, then they're even delighted that a foreigner puts their home city on a piece of cardboard <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah. So this is really. A wide range of of experiences and, and and yeah, what's possible. But it, it's really kind of if there was if there would be a theory about like the the range of opportunities, um, the more eastern you get, the, the more flexible, of course, it, it becomes like this frame of negotiation, which is also very interesting for me. And yeah, yeah, and uh, to continue on, on our journey, like the, the the funny thing is that actually in this rest area close to Kechkemet, we we get a ride by another Slovak group, actually. And the very peculiar thing about them is that um, it's two girls and one guy, like mid twenties, I would say. Um, we were just on the way from, from Bratislava to Natlak, which is the, the border city in Romania. And this is a thing I didn't know before. Like there is a very strong Slovak community. It's 8,000 inhabitants of Natlak, 4,000 are Slovak. Um, there is another Slovak community in Romania, like in the northern part, uh, between Oradea and Cluj. Uh, which, which I knew about, but they were really from Nadlak and they got the opportunity at some point to to study in Slovakia and of course this was a good opportunity for them, which which they took of course and but they still feel very much connected to, to their, their hometown and it was two girls and, and one guy going there and it was just yeah, it, it was, was really interesting to, to hear about their experiences and of being this kind of Slovaks elsewhere and they say like yeah the, the language is still very much in use just in everyday it's, it's not like it, it hasn't been kind of, of, of repressed in, in, in any sense by, by kind of Romania um, so it, it seems that it's still a vivid kind of Slovak culture there, uh, of which in the end uh, I didn't experience that much, but um, after we, we passed the border, and the thing is like, I, I hoped, really hoped to, to get, there is a piece of motorway, 
not only a piece of motorway, but uh, from passing in this Seged, city of Seged, south of Hungary. And there is a new motorway with a, a border checkpoint, but the town of Nadlak is, is a bit off the motorway, and there is this old border crossing. So in the end, they took this old border crossing, which is actually not very much frequented anymore, which uh, yeah got me in a setting which which was like not that promising to get a hitch further <laughs> but on the other hand i encountered many uh, kind people speaking slovak at, at this gas station after the border and and the first romanian stray dogs which were fortunately rather gentle and a lot of turkish truck drivers and this is also one thing that this is actually the main main route for turkish trucks coming from countries like germany towards turkey they go where the um yeah southwestern part of, of romania basically yeah and this is also like in the frame of hitchhiking also turkish truck drivers tend to, to be very hospitable and there was some truck drivers some turkish ones who, who offered me a ride but they wouldn't have gone my way so yeah another time the tricky thing was it was already like evening time and slowly getting darker and there was not much of a promise to hitch a ride to bukarest where we would have where i would have wanted to to go we do we do actually it's us no? Yeah, so I say we. So we wanted to go to Bucharest, and the idea was to, to hitch a truck which would bring us to, to Bucharest through the night. Um, because there was some information I found on this, this web platform, HitchWiki, um, which is really useful. So people are sharing their, their spots, their experiences, and information about the likeliness to hitch rides in different countries and this is really valuable source of information for me when I especially go somewhere but also share my my spots which are proofed so yeah and there was this information about yeah one hitchhiker who frequently kind of hitched trucks from this border like in the evening that would then bring him to Bucharest in the morning yeah this was also my idea, but it turned out to be the, the wrong border checkpoint <laughs> to, to catch a lot of trucks. Yeah. And then, funnily, um, there was a Slovak truck driver, again, at this border trip, who had friends, actually, who, like me, didn't know about the Slovak community in this Natlak, in this town of Natlak. And many years ago, when it was his first time arriving there, and it seemed that he already made a lot of friends uh, around the gas station. The funny thing was, um, with some of the friends at the gas station, he, he brought some things from Slovakia for them. So he also used this kind of space, this extra space in the cabin of his truck to deliver stuff. I don't know what it was, like to, to friends. <laughs> in exile to say it like that which, which was pretty funny and a nice a nice thing to observe so and then he took me to the to the city of Arad or to the 
to the periphery of Arad, where he knew there was like a, a very busy truck stop, which he said like there's it's likely that there would be drugs departing all the night, and I would even find trucks going to Bucharest. Actually, Bucharest in English. Yeah, I didn't find that that, that many trucks in the end, yeah, but I found a Polish car dealer who. <laughs> spoke perfect German even. Uh, I even tried to approach him in Polish, but his German was far better than my Polish, so of course we switched to German. <laughs> and the funny thing was that he actually settled in, in Romania and he's living off of the business of buying second-hand cars, mainly in Austria, and then bringing them to Romania and, and selling them there, reselling them. And he's making a living by that. That explains a lot about the, the condition. But did he tell anything about this uh, condition, sort of, like why he chose in Austria, etc., etc.? Um, that's not the part what we will hear on the travel by him. No, but but he it seems that Austria was just the, the closest within reach where he could make a good bargain in terms of second-hand cars. So. Knowing the language, it seemed probably natural for him. And there he went, and he said he enjoyed life in Romania very much with his family. It was quite surprising for me, but yeah. So he went uh, with a Polish family, or he found found a new one? And did he tell about that? Um, did he talk about that? Yeah, he had a Romanian wife, so mm -hmm. it was probably the main reason also why he settled there. Yeah. Yeah, and he offered to, to, to take me in the end to this um, gas station right after the border of the motorway checkpoint because he was just on his way to Vienna and he said, Yeah, I can drop you there and you can just walk to the other side, which is like towards Bucharest. So then I reached the gas station. It was a very bit late, so optimistic to, to reach Bucharest in the morning but yeah people were friendly even there and speaking Slovak even there so <laughs> um, I could even communicate and funnily there was another car dealer who, <laughs> who offered me the ride further and he was Romanian but, but bringing cars from Denmark into Romania <laughs> and uh, One thing I could observe, which I found quite striking, of course, there's a lot of these minibuses you have, like with people going for, for, for work anywhere in Western Europe. And, and then you have like these trailers with cars or even, I don't know how to translate, Gülle, Fässer to English. All kinds of stuff, like even tractors and agricultural accessories trailers second hand brought from the west to the east and sold for, for a good so import export yeah again and the funny thing not funny but a very nice aspect to this continuation of, of, of our journey was actually that um, the guy not knowing English that well me not being able to converse in Romanian or any related language, 
um, called a friend of his who was actually a translator from Romanian into German and uh, enabled me to kind of negotiate with his friend via his friend where he should drop me and <laughs> it was a really, a really nice and, and um, weird conversation and yeah and we went on through the night through a, a bit of motorway and then like through this beautiful valleys leading us towards Sibiu to Deva actually which is like maybe 100 kilometers west of Sibiu and there he stopped and he had actually to to then take a way off the motorway mm. um, but it was not only the way off the motorway that there was like the end of this kind of piece of motorway so <laughs> it was the kind of preliminary end of the motorway and he dropped me at a gas station um, where it seemed that there was not some such a lively setting so <laughs> it was pretty quiet but fortunately shortly uh, a, a car with a German license plate arrived and it was a father with his two sons who turned out to be born in, in, in Romania and he used to be um, part of the, the German population there. so his family who, who settled there two, three hundred years ago and or even longer in that case uh, yeah, and this was a really nice coincidence because like, they were really kind and didn't find it um, kind of irritating to find an Austrian guy at a half-desolated uh, gas station in the middle of somewhere in Romania at night. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they, they took us further, yeah. And there was a nice conversation because he, he of course, knew a lot about the region and on the other hand like had his own story like of, of, of migration to Germany and then, like also about his sons like they were eight and ten years old but they, they really spoke perfect Romanian like he said yeah like so they were still very much connected to the country even though they they wouldn't regularly visit it and, and, and they were just on the way to, to the seaside via a kind of holiday house this, this was a very kind of nice encounter yeah also like of course giving a bit of this kind of homey feeling in, in a strange country this is always like, something to appreciate quite practical question like because now we run out of food, so normally you have enough food with you or enough water, or how, how is that? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Like also, um, when I started with hitchhiking, I, I used to, to, to take it very seriously, like to, to prepare in terms of having enough food with me. Um, <coughs> I maybe got a bit inspired also by, by Polish truck drivers who, who sometimes <laughs> seem to take every 
uh, item of food they would need from, from their home country. Yeah, including even instant soups. Um, well, I didn't take instant soups, but I always, of course, took along bread and some spreads. You could just squeeze while sitting in the car. But then, this time, or in the recent years, I, I trust uh, in in my experience to, to find something decent and even kind of, uh, in some cases, even vegetarian, and places you wouldn't even expect it. So, um, I don't kind of increase my luggage food that much anymore. But water, water is a crucial thing. I always take enough water, especially these hotter times of the year. Yeah. And when you go to countries like Romania, of course you can buy bottles, mineral water everywhere, but take a bit of water from Bratislava. How is it with the luggage? Like we, we are three people now. Like yeah. it's clear, Radirevan. When 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 we do go and travel, what we do often and regularly. So we have whatever 70 kilos last time, 60 kilos. We have technique. We have whatever. A lot of a bunch of bags. Really huge luggage. Yeah. How is to deal with that? So like. Perhaps we would fit in, but was it what it is about the luggage? Yeah, this is a bit tricky, of course, and it, it, it might, uh, um, of course, very much influence the decision of the driver to take you or not if they see a, a huge pile of luggage next to the roadside. <laughs> so, yeah, when when it's more people, when it's more of us traveling, we have our own way of arranging the luggage that it doesn't appear to be that much. So rather in a line than in a pile. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, it's quite, quite tricky, of course. And uh, on the other hand, um, the cabins of, of trucks are, are really offering a, a nearly unlimited space. It's, it's, it's incredible. So the, the, the trickier thing is like smaller cars with people who are really willing to, to take you and trying to squeeze in everything and then not even leaving much space to, to breathe. So <laughs> as, as it once happened, it was really some very nice people from also Romanians that was going a direction. Um, similar direction last year and they were just on the way from, from Germany, it was an older couple, already retired, but they, they still worked in Germany for the season to pick grapes. And they brought a lot of food they bought in Germany as, as kind of gifts for their friends, family. And, and, and so I was um, squeezed in between everything Lidl could offer and I could bring with me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and they were just very happy to, to, to take me. So sometimes it's, it's hard to, to find to find maybe, maybe the right balance between um, those people who, who would actually have a lot of space available, but, but of course are not 
not really the most willing to take you and sometimes it's this who are really willing and trying everything but then just finding out this yeah it doesn't work yeah yeah space but on such a travel like like now you you don't have much luggage have you it's not that much of course yeah um, one one rucksack and, and another smaller one which are not really packed so it's usually more on the way back because I also take some, some things bring some things with me like in the end this time I even bought some some vegetables at the market in in Lviv in Ukraine which I brought to Bratislava because I'm always like enthusiastic about this taste of vegetables there which is really s somewhere else even compared to what it's here and even though here it's somewhere else compared to what is in Austria and so yeah so I'm used to my luggage increasing on the way and then going back but still we are with this two guy like I mean do we come now to Bucharest? Yeah, the thing is, it's already after midnight. It's like 2 a.m. or something, 2, 3 a.m. And we are having now a journey of, of two hours because like they, the father with his two sons uh, promised to take us to, to one, like the main junction, the road junction, where one road then leads to Bucharest and the other one leads towards eastern parts of Brasov and so on and he said like, that that could be a good spot for you and what was a, a really um, supportive aspect that in this time of the year daylight enters very soon so we arrived there around five a.m. Romanian like Eastern European time and it was really like kind of not that dark and it was clear that this was like kind of a lot of traffic already and our intuition told us like there was a roundabout and at the exit of the roundabout it, it could be a good spot to hitch up and it was a really beautiful setting like there was like already the birds were singing like it was like kind of a, almost like a jungle, you know, like it was not like, um, it was grass, but it was like weeds, it was massive, and it was a really, really beautiful setting, like in the morning to see this sunrise, or just guess the sun would rise somewhere there, <laughs> um, somewhere in, in, in nature, but then like next to, to quite busy transit road, yeah. So yeah, and then that's where after maybe even only 15 minutes a kind of mini like kind of this transporter car stopped by and there was Jon and Jon was just on his way from from France but via Belgium, Germany, Poland, Czech Republic <laughs> to Bucharest and he said it didn't take much rest on his way and 
he was pretty energetic, but it came clear that he also needed company, you know, like to stay awake for the last leg of his journey. And that's where it's also like that. Uh, and he he is driving a truck. He was driving this kind of van. Yeah. It was a van and with some stuff he he brought from from Czech Republic. And he was supposed to deliver it to to Bucharest. And yeah, and Jonas also this his first field recording. It's from from Jon's car. And and he had like this kind of um, endless mix of of Eurodance, with some um, more maybe esoteric features, which also contributed probably to his, his insomnia in a way. And he was very gentle. And he didn't know any any foreign language apart from some fragments of French. Um, which didn't provide good base for our conversation, but he, he talked to me in Romanian. <laughs> so uh, I used my few Romanian words, or not even phrases, to give him the feeling of being understood. And then, of course, it was very beautiful to experience this valley. Uh, it was along a river where we went, and a very characteristic thing for Romanian roadsides is, of course, there's a lot of shops, like little, you know, like squat shops they have, like selling during the day, whatever could be considered as souvenirs, gifts, but also food, of course, and there's like these little coffee shops along the roadside. They also have like this coffee machine and some kind of seats and tables around so it seems a bit like a kind of anarchy you can like just stop anywhere you know along the roadside and just have, have a coffee um, which we also did and, and uh, also a lot of other people who kind of had this morning ritual it seemed the valley of coffee machines and of course everywhere there is I don't even know what you call it in English, like this uh, tire repair shops. Vulcanizer. It's a very essential thing considering the road conditions in Romania. And Jon left us there? Jon then uh, took us why actually the, the, the oldest, the first motorway, first piece of motorway in Romania from Pitesht to Bucharest, um, which somebody explained to me it was also important uh, because Ceausescu had this idea of, of using it as a kind of a uh, kind of extension to the airport then. So that was the main reason why they, why they, why they built it nothing else <laughs> so this piece of motorway yeah and John then actually took us to to the western outskirts of, of Bucharest which was mainly warehouses of, of different kind and also like to see like new 
residential development sprouting around and giving a slight idea of the kind of a sort of a middle class emerging there. And yeah, that's where our ways parted then. And I try to, to find, or we try to find our way to to a minibus, which would take us to the to the metro to enter Bucharest. First time, yeah. Is that often happening that you have to change then the transport when you come closer to a city, or like now, as we have to step out here and get to the public transport system? Yes, man. It's it's quite regular, I would say, yeah, because um, especially in the case of truck drivers, that they're going to, the, to some places which are not close to the center to load, unload, yeah. And sometimes it even happens that, that I, I hitch them like from, from the periphery to the center, which also works out sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. But then like, just to, to be consequent, hitch for the for the last little bit of the journey yeah yeah so we so we are in Bucharest but that means we would have to have another hours of Radi Yerevan to get further it's and true in fact you you wanna you wanna go now where it's true like the, the journey um, would then lead us to Kishinev further to Chenevtsi in Ukraine and then to Lvov. Yeah, it would provide endless encounters and, and stories. This is what would make it sometimes a bit hard to to kind of document or just um, uh, collect the impressions and the fragments of these encounters because it's all pretty dense. And then sometimes you're just lacking the space where you can just, you know, take notes. And uh, okay, this also why audio recordings are quite a nice means to compensate that. But yeah, it's true. Like there's a loads of, of, of other encounters. You ever thought to to do um, a radio show about the whole thing, but about one whole travel? Actually, not. Um, so, like to to do yeah. it live all the time. Yeah. Um, that seems like a quite radical idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean especially in terms of then then trying to negotiate the the fact that you're recording and also that you need uh, to plug in your power cable also that yeah probably you also have a lot of stories and experiences about that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah 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 but exactly there's, there's then, then another thing you, you need to arrange and this is also another thing specific for from for my approach to hitchhiking uh, I, I never use internet I'm always like, offline, usually, and also like that's why it 
requires to have like maps, printed maps. Of course, maps are really important, sure. Uh, but, but what is interesting, like it seems recently, uh, until recently, in most of these countries, it was rather easy to to find internet cafes. But even now, it seems like they're vanishing. And there's a few internet cafes in these countries east of here. So I would be more or less forced to get a smartphone. So in in that sense, with this saying in the very end, we do say goodbye in Bucharest. Yeah. In yeah. the public transport system of Bucharest. Exactly. There's a, like, a metro, which is pretty impressive. I'm not sure when it was built. I think it was somewhere in the 80s already. And a pretty... Um, nice uh, design in the stations and it seems like quality materials have been used and it seems it's one of one of the, the few metros east of here that that don't use um, wagons um, made in Russia back then to the, of the Soviet production. Even in Budapest you can still find them in, in Sofia, but not so in, in Bucharest. Yeah. So they have new Romanian ones? They have new Romanian ones and they have probably also even old Romanian ones. Yeah, we leave Bucharest like we entered it, via metro, but to another periphery. Um, the western, uh, no, the eastern periphery in this case, where the highway leaves towards the seaside, that's Constanza. Yeah, and it, it felt it, it, it's a bit different, like the, the eastern periphery didn't bear these this features of, of kind of new middle class residential projects sprouting. There was only like family houses of, of, of maybe slightly poorer people. Yeah, and, and there we, we we went on and we hitched a ride by a guy from Constanza who just went to IKEA to buy something for his mother and there was no IKEA in Constanza so he had to go to Bucharest. And as he had some space left for us, he took us next to <laughs> pieces to be assembled, provided by IKEA. And this is the very moment where three of us from Radierevan say goodbye, or Ahoy, what brings us again back to the seaside. In fact, we are heading now yeah. to the seaside. You see? Yeah. We see the sea. Yeah. And IKEA? and IKEA? No, we didn't. We didn't. We just see packages of yeah, IKEA. We can only so. guess. And these other things you will hear next time when Radio Yerevan is traveling with Jürgen Rendel to east of Bratislava. Ahoy! Oh, Ahoyte! 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 Ahoyte!
Ja, das war der Radio Jerewan. Das war's Radio Jerewan. Today with Jürgen Rendel, Philipsen, Langer und Marold.